Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual. Today, I'm thrilled to have George Theodosu as a special guest. Now, George is a renowned consultant for the trades and construction industry, helping businesses around the world build predictable cash flows and reduce stress. Not just that, he's a TEDx speaker sharing his insights on how to build strong connections in life and business. Now, George's unique approach to cash flow and personal connections provides a really fresh perspective on running a stress-free, profitable business. So I'm really looking forward to this. George, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, mate. (laughs) Good. Well, it's great to have you here, Uh, George. You know, your journey has led you from experiencing uh, a tragic event due to uh, business financial issues to becoming an expert in cash flow processes and systems and so on. Can you share with us a bit about your personal journey and uh, how you got to where you are now? Yeah, um, firstly, thanks for having me on. And um, secondly, yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, probably like a lot of people, you kind of like like grow up thinking I'm going to well, for most of us, I hope, you know, thinking I'm going to do something great in my life. And and when the football thing or the basketball thing, because I'm, I'm, for those that know me, I'm uh, I'm really tall at five foot six. When I didn't make it as an NBA basketball player, you know, you start to wonder, like, what what is my purpose? What am I here to do? And then and then um, oftentimes something happens. And I believe this to be true in everyone's life. Um, and we can also learn from people around us. But something happens that just changes the direction completely and for me that was in July 2006 when I experienced someone who worked in the trades and construction industry that committed suicide because of cash flow problems in business and that just made me see things completely differently Um, it made me feel like um, this was so wrong on so many levels and uh, not that there's ever a good reason to commit suicide obviously but for god's sake not about money Um, especially when I was in a position where I was learning, working in the insolvency industry, I was learning about the options that we all had um, as people that live in this country, people that run businesses, uh, whether you are employed or whether you run your own business, there's options. It's actually, thankfully, a very bureaucratic industry, which means it takes a long time for things to get done. But oftentimes people don't know. And so the fear of how bad something might be is often worse than when it actually happens or if it actually happens in reality. And so I just felt compelled that I was learning things on a daily basis that a lot of people didn't know because they weren't in the industry about how much time you have before it gets to the the thing that you're dreading or before maybe a bailiff turns up at your door in front of your family and, and you know, scares the living day, daylights out of everyone or what you can actually do and say to a bailiff to get rid of them um, or what to deal with, you know, um, aggressive threatening letters and things like that and so I just it, it just changed the way I saw everything and I just felt like like it's almost like my entire life up until that point was a cloudy rainy day for the purpose of the example and then as soon as I experienced this I just felt the clouds parting just felt like this is what I'm supposed to do I'm, I've got some information that many people don't that once they do have it will just make them feel less stressed in a more informed position can be a better version of themselves, have better relationships, and then they can do what they want with that. Fantastic. I love that. And uh, and obviously for the purpose of, uh, of our podcast and, you know, de-stress your business, ideal for what, we'll begin, uh, what we're going to dive into. And I will come to, to that because I think it's so important. And, uh, you know, I've done uh, other episodes in the past, including interviewing uh, someone in the construction industry and uh, the, I believe, the episode of, 
the episode name was like becoming homeless. Like in his case, he literally became um, homeless for, for a long stint due to cash flow issues. So it's such an important area. And I know you've got so much value to give. So we're going to dive into that. Before we do, I, one thing I, I was interested in, in um, exploring with you is I know that in your fantastic TEDx talk, which I've watched and was absolutely brilliant, I thought you, you know, you're a really natural um, storyteller and uh, it, was, it was really, really touching. Um, that talk was about building strong personal connections um, and particularly uh, one of the connections you talked about um, was uh, with a person with uh, learning difficulties and, and how you kind of overcame some of that and so on. Um, one thing that strikes me is how do you kind of marry those things? How does the concept of personal connections intersect with managing a business's finances effectively? You know, what was it that kind of for you that that made sense to be the topic that you talk about, given both your experience, but also, um, you know, the, the business benefit to you of, uh, of linking it to cash flow? Like, how do you see the connection there? Yeah, what a brilliant question. It, I actually think this is one of the more under talked about subjects in business where just break business down at every level you know even if we just have like the four kind of common compartments of marketing sales operations and finance at every level there has to be a connection you know so from a marketing perspective there's certain people that don't know us yet and then as soon as they become aware of us maybe they hear the podcast maybe they see you speak on stage maybe there is a referral maybe it's a paid ad now there's a connection it's entry level and then the deeper the connection is the deeper they go in that that um, staircase of services or that ladder or that journey with you or how close they get to you in your business and so it's just deeper connections and so I feel like um, it, it's something that we should all take more seriously and, and focus on like what are our best skills and attributes when it comes to connecting with people and in what ways and in what mediums and certain certain of us prefer certain social media platforms other people don't like social media or online at all you know it's just exploring whatever helps you put you in the best version of yourself to connect with as many people as possible because without connection you can't help people and then that translates into actual business and money in the bank because that level of connection means that you can establish expectations you can establish relationships you can establish what people are transacting for and with and, and what people can expect and when payments can be made and how payments should be made and i often ask people um so so many people predominantly come to us uh, because they've got a cash flow challenge or issue or question um, among other kind of surrounding areas and uh, where people come to us and, and whether they become clients or not and let's just say a, a common example is someone says oh, i'm owed money and it, it doesn't it's actually irrelevant at this point of the conversation how much money and for how long it's been owed my my immediate next question is do you want to work with this person again moving forward and if the answer to that is no then you can be more aggressive if you, the answer to that is ideally actually yes, because he's a good guy, I want to be there, you know, um, to build a long term relationship. You know, I think maybe this is just a, a start a step, a moment in time. Then then you lean on the connection you have, you know, and you, you, you use your skills and your abilities to lean on the connection that you had at the beginning of that relationship and how it's evolved. And, and essentially, you can be either more aggressive or less aggressive. There's certain people that respond to certain things. You know, you have the same thing, whether it's people in your team. Some people uh, respond better to tough love. Some people respond better to an arm around them. Some people respond better to almost um, digging them out in a bit of a sarcastic way. And I've done this with with people in my team as I've grown the business. I've done this with, with potential clients as well, where I've said to a potential client, you know what, um, let me just stop you there. I actually don't think 
that this is right for you. I don't think you should join our, our mastermind specific for trades. I, I, I apologize. I thought you were someone who was committed. I thought you really wanted to grow your business. I thought that you, you know, you really wanted the best for you and your family. I, I apologize. I've obviously got that wrong. Now, I only do that when I feel that the connection is there to do that because that's quite cheeky. But the only way I would do that is because I, I, I feel with every every part of me that that is what that person needed. And, I, and I've got a person in mind. I'm not going to name names. And that was the 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 comment, the, the sentence that got him over the line. He joined the mastermind and he went from just over 200 grand a year in turnover to just over 800,000 in turnover in less than 12 months. And so I'm completely comfortable with with um, doing it at the time. And then obviously in hindsight now, it, it was the best decision that I took to push. So I just feel like, you know, just looking at the connections that we have, you know, and whether it's just, you know, getting on someone's podcast or what's the value exchange. And I also feel like um, we've both spoken at some uh, same events, whether it's Expert Empires, we've got um, Entrepreneurs Marketing Conference coming up in September. And um, even with that, for example, my approach has always been, if I'm speaking to someone, so the organizers of these events, I just, I just, I like to try my hardest and it doesn't always land right, but I try my hardest to look at it from the other person's perspective. And so if I look at someone who's running these events year in, year out, or a few times a year, and and the rest of us are looking at these guys thinking, I'd love to speak on their stage. I'd love to speak, be invited onto their podcast. It, it stands to reason that if I'm thinking it, then there's probably lots of other people that also wanted the same thing. And so I just thought logically, realistically these people like yourself probably have had lots of people that said i'd really love to be on your podcast i'd really love to speak at your next event of course you would i know the benefit to you what's the benefit to me of having you on my podcast or having you on my stage so my my go-to approach has always been look i'm just going to be transparent with you i'd love to speak on stage at your event let's park that now right here right now what can i do for you up front to build a relationship and if it leads to me speaking at your event, great. If it doesn't, great. I'm still in. So the question to you is, what can I do for you? And so that just, um, there's something Stephen Bartlett said, actually, at the last Expert Empires I spoke at, uh, uh, where, where he spoke, where he said um, the, the beginning part of his podcast, where typically a lot of people on podcasts will say, you know, please like and subscribe, you know, in their own words. He does the opposite and says, look, if I hope no one's listening, but if you are, keep it to yourself. And that just trips everything that we are used to and so that message gets diluted and and just becomes numb um, and so if people like yourself and people like uh, you know some of the guys that are behind these events that i've just mentioned are getting asked left right and center on a regular basis i'd love to speak on your stage by doing something different you're automatically grabbing their attention um, and then another great approach is to actually pay someone money, become a client of theirs. Now you've got their attention. Now you can progress that conversation. But it's all about connections and how you can transfer that into what the best version of your business looks like for you and your family. Yeah, I love that. And that, I, I, the clarity that you have on where you're using those connections, and particularly when you talked about looking at um, uh, recovering cash, right, where you're saying it, it all depends on whether do you want to maintain the relationship? Because there'll be some cases where you say, actually, no, they've been an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Never want to work with them again. And I just want the money and we're done. As you say, it makes a huge difference for having that relationship. So I can completely see how that relates there. Um, and, and as you say, in all, in all aspects of business, there's, there's the, both the power of building that relationship, but then using it in the right way. And I, I like some of the examples that you've given where, 
um, you're able to be more cheeky when you've got when you've built up enough rapport and you've you've got the permission to do so. Um, doing it too early is a huge mistake, and that's a a, a judgment and experience that comes with uh, with time. But it's yeah. yeah, it's it's really powerful to have that. I'm glad you um, said that. In your you. experience, I'm just yeah, that point. I'm glad you said that because the person I used that cheeky statement on, I'd actually known for quite oh. a few years um, yeah. uh, in a network environment, but hadn't. Yeah, it hadn't been a client before or whatever, but there, I, there was a relationship there. Yeah, and and I think that's an important thing because uh, I think particularly people earlier in their careers can look for tactics uh, uh, for that you know, oh, sales tactics or cash collection tactics or whatever. And of course, it's like it does provide, it does require a lot of context in a lot of cases, right? And and that's a great example where the mistake would be to take away a sales tactic of, oh yeah, yeah I'm gonna throw it in their face that you're not this then, or, you know, I'm sorry, I thought you were this. Like, that would be a horrible thing to do with people on your, like, your very first sales call, yeah. right? So, um, so yeah, so I, I love that that clarification. Um, like, going deeper into the cash flow area, you know, you've worked with a variety of businesses, particularly in trades and construction, which are um, uh, some of the most challenging for, for cash flow often. What are the most common cash flow challenges that you see? And I then want, and I particularly want to see what's the next order impact? What's the impact on the health, the stress levels of, of the business owner, the business leaders, the rest of the team, you know, the stress within the business? How, how does it present itself? Yeah, so um, a couple of things there that jump out at me straight away with your question. Firstly, um, I love the fact that you mentioned the word context. I think context uh, is one of the strongest, most important words in our vocabulary, um, because without context, nothing has its true uh, intended meaning. That's the first thing. The second thing is that over the last 30 years in England and Wales, which is the Insolvency Act 1986 that governs England and Wales, over the last three decades, 25% of all businesses that have gone bust have been trades, construction and property related businesses. So that's why I ended up kind of partly on purpose, partly by accident working in that space, because I just felt like who needs my help more? I'm going to go there. And so the importance of, of cash flow for me, I'm, I'm absolutely for anyone watching this. Um, don't get triggered with what I'm about to say. I'm absolutely not taking away anything from marketing sales running a business from a systems point of view um and saying that that you know finance trumps everything but what i am saying is this for me why cash flow is so important is twofold one is it presupposes that you've got clients it presupposes you've had a sales conversation to get the clients it presupposes you've done some marketing in order to have a sales conversation and so cash flow presupposes all of that you could be great at marketing or great at sales or great at running a business, great at uh, operations and systems and processes, and then not manage your money properly and still end up going bust versus the person that's OK at all the other th three things and brilliant at managing money. And so I say that to say this because for, for the context of it, what you do with your money and how you manage it determines um, how strong your business is, how strong your relationships are with your team what decisions you can and can't make, correct decisions as an in informed decisions, and also affects relationships and affects the quality of your life. Because I don't believe, and I'm happy to be challenged on this, I don't believe that any single one of us can profess to be the best version of ourselves if we are distracted by money problems. And so, you know, whether it's how present you are with your children, how often you spend quality time with your other half, 
um, how you are around your parents and other people that are around your, you know, how you are as a friend. Like all of these things, how much you can do in your community, how much you can give to charity financially, how much time you can give to charity. You know, all of these things make you a better version of yourself if you're more calm, more focused, more present. And therefore, being in a position where you've got consistent structured systems that make sure that you know what's going on cash flow wise, it's consistent, it's predictable, as predictable as you can get it. And so all of that affects your health issues, both mental, both physical, both emotional. I say both. There was three examples there. <laughs> no, I, li- I, li- I like that. And I, th- I think I saw you on a- another interview uh, when you were asked, um, you know, is cash king? And I think you said no. Cash flow is king, um, which uh, which is interesting in itself. And in fact, if you could just explain that nuance, because I think um, particularly a lot of you know business owners that I work with, etc., would be familiar with the with the phrase, you know, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, cash is king, um, which is obviously saying you know, it doesn't matter if you've got ten million revenue, and you need money at the end of it co- coming out in in the pocket. But from your perspective, why would you say? But it's cash flow that's king. How do you um, explain that nuance and and how do you uh, split those things? Yeah, love this question. So um, from the literal sense, uh, once you have cash and you spend it, it's gone. So that's the end of that, depending on you know what you've bought, but that's the end of that. Uh, the government, as you would be more than aware of the last few years, is trying to limit where and how uh, and how often we can spend cash and trying to get it out of our uh, society. And uh, in terms of um, the nuances um, and and how much money you've got coming in and, and revenue like you've just touched on. Cash flow problems are not prejudice. It doesn't matter how big your business is or how high your turnover is, you can still suffer from cash flow problems, whether you're turning over 10 grand a year or 10 million a year. It's irrelevant. When I worked in the insolvency industry, I often dealt with cases where I was the lead person running the case and there was 11 million pounds worth of debt of creditors or 9 million or four and a half million or 800,000. It's not prejudice. I also liquidated or dealt with liquidations of businesses that had just done 12,000 pounds as a small car wash, you know, that didn't work. Um, So it's irrelevant how big your business is. And so with that, we can then segue into, you can have the highest revenue. And obviously there are people you know, that, that constantly are like, you know, build your top line, build your top line. I'm not saying take anything away from that, but make sure it's profitable because you can build a high turnover business and not have any money um, versus a lesser turnover business and have better cash flow, more consistent, more reliable and higher profits. I'll give you an example without mentioning names. My first, when I look back at my my career, my journey, and I look at certain significant turning points, one we've touched on in 2006, uh, which was the catalyst uh-huh. at the beginning. Another one was in December 2018, where I had a consulting client that wasn't in the trade and construction industry uh, for the previous 12 months, um, helping them build their their business and their sales team um, from a more um, cash flow perspective uh, in 2018. Um, and then in December 2018, he moved his wife, uh, always wanted to live in, in Miami. They uh, emigrated to Miami and built a second business, a second office over there. And he flew me over there to do a week's worth of consulting for that sales team and and, and consulting on him and his managers uh, and the business over there. And so mm-hmm. when I first met this client and they had just done 4.8 million in turnover, 
in less than 12 months, we got up to 6.4. And then we opened the Miami business. At that point in time, when I first met him, and throughout that year, 4.8 million in turnover. At the time, I think I just cleared six figures in turnover in my business, in my consulting business. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't able to take out more than £5,000 a month out of his business, but I was. And that just, wow. it, it, it just blew my mind firstly, but then just made it, it just broke things down in logical sense. Not all big businesses make big money. And so just because we see things from the outside, it might be a high turnover, it might be a large team, it might be a big office, it might be multiple offices, it might be international, it might be, uh, it, it might have a fleet of vehicles. It, all the things that we feel are synonymous with success, things that we can physically see, don't always equate to the things that actually we define as success. And so it's important to have your own definition of success. Because again, someone could have the highest turnover, the biggest profit, the best cash flow that I've ever come across, but doesn't spend time with his family. That person's not successful to me because of my definition of success. Yeah, agreed. And I'm not saying that that's right. It's right for me. I'm a massive, there's another example, massive fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm not a fan of working mm -hmm. 18 hours a day that he often talks about. Now, I'm not saying right. that he's not successful. What I'm saying is I don't want that life because for me, that would not be successful. We've got different paths. He's right and I'm right. Neither of us are wrong. So I feel like it's important. And then and then the, the cash flow nuances, cash flow, um, you know, as a meaning, or definitely the, the intention that I have when I talk about cash flow is it's consistent. It's flowing. It's every month. Mm. You, you can predict when it's coming in, how it's coming in, where it's coming from. Uh, and the amounts, and then there's a plan, a structure in place of what you're going to do with the money, you know. And so that that's why uh, cash flow is king, not cash, because you've just got that that understanding, that predictability, that certainty, that security, that consistency that you can that helps you build the business that you want. Yeah, and I, I agree with that, and I, I want to dive deeper into that concept of predictable cash flow, right? Because I, I've experienced it myself with a variety of bus different businesses. Um, you know, I think, and I've seen the pain of when you've got product type businesses where you've got stock and how, unfortunately, like when you've got a business that requires stock, the faster you grow, the more stock you require, which means you have no cash. And of course, if at any point the music stops and suddenly that stock isn't in fashion, you've suddenly got a load of stuff you can't sell. And basically that's all the cash you had earned up to that point. Yeah. And so that, you know, that as a business is hard. On the flip side, I've done coaching and training businesses where, you know, you've got very little things that you have to buy and it's really high margin, but very highly unpredictable where you know one you'll have one quarter where you think oh my god this is amazing i'm gonna do seven figure revenues this year and then you have three months where it's basically nothing and you're spending all your time selling and then it goes crazy again and so on and it's um and so i've seen both of those and i've got you know software sas i've got into software business where that's absolutely characteristic for nice predictable income and yet there even the reality in SaaS is it doesn't often uh, it often doesn't happen that way unless you've got a pure monthly only, like if you've got annual and you've got some large customers and so on, and particularly early on, it can be spiky as hell anyway. So I've experienced firsthand <laughs> the pain of unpredictable cash flow. What does predictable cash flow mean to you? Like, what are we talking about? How does it feel in the business? 
what what creates that for a for a business yeah so um the the simplest quickest and best answer i can give you is um one of the most powerful uh, business models out there which is and different people from different countries or different parts of the country call it different things but essentially it's a recurring revenue uh, model a membership model a um a uh, uh another word just uh, gone flying out of my mind um a, a, a retention <laughs> business model um so yeah. uh, we, we, i obviously run a uh, coaching consulting training business and uh, we've we've got clients that pay us upfront in full and we've got clients that pay us on a monthly basis that monthly basis provides the predictability the the consistency because mm. everyone is paying on the first of every month in advance of that month not in lieu of the previous month and and then once you get that concept and you think well yeah that's easy said that's easy for you george in that industry but how do we do it in trades or how do we do it in other industries you find your version you, it, that and then that mm. sounds you know a little bit um, abstract but if it's a trades or construction business because i've had this conversation a thousand times uh, with people is you provide what, what what would people be happy to pay for whether it's commercial or, or domestic or both a maintenance version so then you offer that um, and you just yeah. find some predictability you know you look at say uh, retail and talking about stock that you know might go out of fashion that sort of thing look at some of the the business or the ways that that certain certain leading retailers have incorporated some sort of subscription model in their business whether it's um pay this annual amount and then get unlimited delivery um amazon prime do it um you know so there's there's things that you can you can offer um with everything um a a subscription model and so what that does is uh, when you're running the business it gives you more consistency more predictability more security more safety puts you in a better space less stressful it means that if you look to um to really uh push on with growing and scaling the business and you want to get some funding in whether it's borrowing money or getting an investor in having that business business model within your business is going to mean that you're going to get better offers at better rates if you ever look to sell the business you're going to get more for it because there's recurring revenue there so i would in, uh, invite everyone listening to this to think about your ideal clients what's the next problem that they might have that you can solve and what could they be interested in that would mean that they pay you? even if it's a small amount it doesn't have to be you know thousands every month but even a small amount on that recur recurring revenue basis because that just that's the starting point for all of this uh, when it comes to cash flow then uh, aside from that if you're absolutely adamant that you can't do that in your industry or your business or you don't want to fine the next step from that would be right what are we offering product or service when do payments need to be due and then make sure that you're you, you're providing a, an offer where people have the opportunity to pay you upfront in full because then they you've got the money in your account um or if it's um part subscription part invoice or um and this is perfectly legal as long as you've got this in your gdpr policy you've got this in your terms and conditions in your quotations and proposals you mention it verbally you can store people's card details and then as and when parts of that product or service have been delivered then you can either get a job satisfaction form or a tick box and then you can take the money directly because you've got their their card details you don't have to wait for a bank transfer you don't have to wait for um, an opportunity to actually get someone on the phone to take a card payment so you can do automatic payments once you've got their their card details saved and people often say to me oh is that even legal yes 100 it's legal number two is um are, are you sure you know like why would anyone do that we'll just look at some of the people that some of the organizations that have got our money anyway 
TV license once a year just takes the money automatically, um, whether it's your phone bill, whether it's um, Amazon, whether it's Netflix, whether it's um, iCloud, you know, all the things that we use, we pay on finance, they've got our card details, they've got our bank details, they're processing payments without us physically doing anything. So um, I, I actually, um, for anyone that, that is watching this and thinking of these things that I've just mentioned, actually, you'd probably be surprised if you did a little bit of digging how many people on this planet actually have your bank details um you'd probably be a bit scared with that but ultimately if you can get the, yeah. the, the I, go on sorry i was gonna say and just check on that because um uh uh and of course uh, uh as with any uh information like this uh always seek legal uh, uh um, advice and speak to your accountant so on my understanding with the uh specific example of card details and i'm no expert but have got it in my businesses, et cetera, is that um, you need to, I think it's it PCI compliance or something like that. Um, but you can certainly have those card details stored with a, um, a card provider, right? So if you're using Stripe, for example, um, who are then PCI compliant and they can store those card details so that exactly as you say, when it then comes time to bill, uh, you can then just charge the card and that's fine. Um, but um, yeah, I'd uh, certainly uh, uh, warn people against storing the card details directly uh, like in spreadsheets and things which no, 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 no. Uh, would definitely, yeah that's not what we're talking uh, about and look ultimately yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're giving anyone card details they could write it down so i mean that you know there's an element uh, of fraud with everything that we do um and so I, again on that point i would say use credit cards because then you get an automatic insurance with that but when we're talking about the example again for context is you store the card details in your card payment taking facility i.e stripe in this example yeah, that you use you. they are compliant yeah. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't be able to trade. And once you store it, you're you know you're not keeping any of those details privately or on a piece of paper or on a spreadsheet. And then when you go on to see your customers with their card details, you can only actually see the last four digits anyway. You can't see the whole thing, right, yeah. um, and you can see the expiry date. That's that's the extent of what you can see. And so um, ultimately, uh, yeah, back to the question. A retention model if you can that recurring revenue model that membership model um, aside from that how can you get paid up front and full aside from that how can you if it's just a case of you provide a product or a service and then you invoice then send the invoices early you know assume i yeah. I, I wake up every day and think you know what everyone starts off being a good person they want to pay their bills they want to pay their invoices but sometimes life happens and distractions happen and unfortunately people die or this happens or you know there's distractions everywhere and so assume someone is going to pay late. So if the money is due in a week from today, um, then send it today or in the next couple of days. You know, if someone's going to pay in seven days, assume they're going to pay in 10 to 12 days. If someone's due to pay in 14, assume they're going to pay in 18 to 21 days. And then on it goes. Some of you guys that might watch this and think, actually, I've got a, a client or clients um, on 30 day terms or 60 day terms or 92 day terms just assume that it's going to take them longer to pay. And therefore, how can you limit that? How can you get payment up front in full? How can you send invoices early? How can you see if you can get part payment early? Just put yourself in the best position possible. And, and again, I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but it's a good segue and we can go deeper if you want, is I'm a big fan of becoming emotionally detached from the money, but emotionally attached, emotionally connected to the relationship. So make sure that you're emotionally detached from asking for money because that will stop you from getting to any kind of heights in business and collecting money in that's owed to you. Fantastic. Yeah, and I do I do want to come to that, on to that next. I think, firstly, um, 
the uh, I really like your approach for when we're talking about predictable income. Uh, sorry, predictable cash flow. Um, what's really interesting is because um, with Paddy, uh, my uh, co-host and co-founder, we wrote a guide for business leaders on how to improve your cash flow, and we talked a lot in in that guide. We wrote about. Um, the process is that if you've got in your business, you're making sure that you're doing your 13-week cash flow forecast, you're chasing payments regularly, you're updating your prices annually, and all, doing all these sorts of things to make sure that your business, in terms of getting cash in, is doing a good job. What I love is that your approach there that you're just sharing is at a, probably at a more fundamental business model level. So it's what you know, how can you deliver value to your customers? over the long term rather than a project basis and upfront oh yeah you know there you go i fixed uh you know i fixed your refrigerator or whatever that'll be a hundred pounds done instead looking at actually how can i solve a problem that this person has in the long term like general maintenance of all of their appliances forever and as a result find a model that works for the customer and delivers you a predictable uh, cash flow because you've got that that income regularly um and if you can't do that i like that you say you know, in which case, at least charge up front. Uh, and if you can't do that, make sure that you're really hot in your processes for, for invoicing and getting the cash. And I think, you know, fundamentally, we're talking at the, the model level. And I think, as you say and alluded to, is when we're talking at that strategic level, and we're talking about, you know, being uh, being a business owner who's working on the business rather than in it, that's able to have a relatively stress-free experience with their with their uh, cash flow because they've got decent cash flow in. It makes a big difference. And I think, as you say, like that link to personal connections is key. Um, talk to me a bit about some of um, uh, uh, sort of elaborate more on that that concept where you're you're building, you're using those personal connections that uh, to to build a business that can be more successful, can be less stressful. What's what are kind of your your key strategies or, or views on? Yeah, that? so um, using connections, I mean, we touched on it earlier on in this conversation, but also for me, when I look at my diary for the week coming up, whether it's this podcast or whatever else we've got going on this week, you know, my I look at I look at the week and think, what's my ideal outcome? Um, and and then my next question is what what do i envisage is the person that i you for example what's your ideal outcome for this podcast what's uh, the telephone calls that i've got booked in this afternoon what's their ideal outcome what's their perspective and and then just look to find um, a, a middle ground where they're happy and i'm happy and and everyone wins and so if everyone wins I, i'm into building long-term relationships um, I have in my younger days been in a situation where I've negotiated with people and just wanted to get as much out of the deal as possible. But that was a younger, naive version of, of me. Now I, I'm just in, in yeah. a position where even if I don't ever do business with that person again, I want that person to look back and say, you know what? I only did business with George once. It was a great experience. Um, I, I want people to, I've got, I've got, I, I take a screenshot, put it in a, in a folder in my, in my um, phone book, uh, in my phone, sorry. Um, in the photo section around when people send me messages saying jesus christ george the even though literally uh they didn't send the literal uh invoice but jesus christ george the the uh the ink on the invoice isn't dry yet and you've paid it already i want people to look back on their experience of doing business with me and saying george pays immediately because i i everything about me in business is about getting money in to my business as quickly as possible therefore i want to come out as quickly as possible when i want to pay or need to pay people and so mm -hmm. I just want to create those those experiences. And even when I bought my dream car last year, 
I started negotiating with the guy and got a thousand pounds off and I thought, well, I'm going to keep going because it was just, it was kind of like partly in my nature. And I stopped myself and said, what's my ideal outcome in this, in this experience? My ideal outcome isn't to spend the least amount of money on this car. My ideal outcome is oh. to, for me to look back on this experience and say, that was a beautiful experience because the first time that I bought a car like this. And, and I want that person that I transacted with to look back and say, that was a beautiful transaction, a great experience. And so I just stopped myself and just checked myself. So I feel like by thinking about what's your ideal outcome in every situation, um, it, 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 it just focuses your, your mind selfishly on where I believe it needs to be. Then your immediate next thought is, OK, well, for me to achieve that, let's just pause that for a second. What's their ideal outcome? You know, and how can we make this a win win? So everyone feels great about it. And so I just feel like approaching things in that in that way um, just means that you're setting yourself up for success um, in a better way. I also think emotional control with this and this comes down to connections as well, you know, by by not overreacting, by not shouting, by not allowing yourself to be too emotional um, also means that you're going to have better, stronger connections. You know, and and the great thing about my approach and, and i'm saying this and i'm i i know how i sound when i say that and please don't think that I'm, I'm i'm coming from an arrogant place it's taken me over 40 years to to get to this place so you know many arguments and mistakes and severed relationships along the way by the way and so if i say to you right yeah i'd love to come on your podcast or what needs to happen for me to come on your podcast what's your ideal outcome and and you tell me right i need this 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 and this and and those things aren't aligned with who I am, what I'm about, what I'm willing to do, then there's no reason to, you know, to, to get emotional or to feel any other kind of negative way. Then it's just a case of, look, I'm putting myself out there. I'm going to do whatever it takes within reason. If that means that it's a win for you and a win for me, brilliant. If it's not, I'm walking away. Um, and something I've developed over the years is just to be able to cut people off um, without any emotion and some people over, over my time over over the years have said to me you know that's cold like how can you do that but if I'm not serving someone and I'm not an asset to them I'm a liability to them because I'm causing them stress or frustration or anger or emotion or I'm not meeting their needs so it's a win for them and they're doing the same for me and they're they're a liability in my life not an asset then it's better that we you know part ways and, and move forward so you can focus your attention on the people that value you and, and benefit most from you and vice versa and i'll do the same and so i just feel like having that uh, i guess focus discipline emotional intelligence whatever you want to call it just to be focused on what's your ideal outcome what are the steps to get there what's their ideal outcome what are the steps to get there so we you know it's a win-win for everyone and just just building on those connections yeah i really like that i think that um i really like how creating that relationship and starting as you say like I, I love almost the process that you go through for, for thinking about what's the outcome for them and so on like when you start a relationship from that perspective it makes it so much more intentional and strong and easy to easy to manage and build and maintain when you've you've got that that clarity and i think um that's really really powerful i think the the additional bit i've then found and come later to has been I think early on when I was looking to build relationships, I was almost too focused on, okay, you know, there needs to be a give and take and what am I going to provide and all these sorts of things and um, is this a strategically useful relationship and not enough on whether I 
um, like the person, find it easy to get on with them and and have really uh, well aligned values, which actually I find that when you've got both of those things, oh my goodness, you've got amazing yeah. relationships, right? Like if you start from a position of initiating through, uh, through some um, mutual benefit, but then continue it because it's like, yeah, I just genuinely like spending time yeah, yeah, with yeah. this person and working with them. And I found that that is the absolute like winner when you've yeah, got a, that. A nice place, way right? to think about this, um, uh, for, you know, for, for anyone listening, um, is the tangible and intangible version of that. So what I mean by that is, let's just use this podcast example. Mm-hmm. Let's just say it ticks the boxes for you in terms of an ideal outcome, short term and long term. It ticks the boxes for me and we've got a great relationship moving forward. That's the tangible bit. How many people did we reach? How many um, people have been impacted in a positive way after they've watched or listened to this? The intangible versions for me and for you will be if I see a message come up on Messenger and how we've been communicating or or your your name comes up on my phone when you call me and I feel good. You know, there's certain people when you see their their name and on your phone, your mm. energy goes up. Contrarily, there's certain people you see their name on your phone, your energy goes down. So I just kind of feel like on some level we should always be looking to try and limit the amount of people and how often we see them on our phone that brings our energy down nice. and the the intangible version of the energy up yeah. because that's going to affect if I if I if I have you as a uh, as someone who brings my energy down for the purpose of the example and then I go into a conversation with my wife straight yeah. after and you put my energy down I'm more likely to snap at her yeah. contrarily if i see your name and you're someone that's an asset a, a positive intangible and i see that and my energy goes up whether i get to answer that phone or not if i can't answer my energy's gone up just naturally by seeing your name or we do speak and then i go into a conversation with our daughters i'm going to be more patient i'm going to be happy i'm going to be a better version of myself and i just feel like just being in, in tune with that just be aware of that kind of stuff because there's just some things and some people that just put you in the wrong mood to go and present on stage or do a podcast or have that sales call, or have that team meeting, whatever it is. And I just feel like we need to be more selfish, more self-aware and think about what can we do to put us in the best energy to go and do the thing that we need to do to get the best results quicker, easier, sustainably, consistently, then move on to the next thing. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, George. Um, uh, we've we've covered so much. We're running short on time, um, but I know that there'll be people going. I need to hear more from George. Really like his uh, his input. You know, you've provided such great insight on improving cash flow, building strong personal connections, and just more generally how people can have less stress in their business and and happier lives. How can people connect with you? Learn more. Yeah. So you? if you're on Instagram, you can uh, find me on George Cashflow. Um, and George Didossi on any other platforms, i.e. LinkedIn and Facebook. And uh, if you go into, if you're on Instagram, George.cashflow, go into my bio. There's some free guides on there, how to master your cash flow, what you can do now to improve it, 10 ways to improve your cash flow now. So if you found any value in this, then by all means, go and grab that. Thank you very much for having me on, mate. Fantastic. Yeah. I'll- no, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I'll make sure that's linked in the show notes. I'll also make sure um, we've got a link to the event that both George and I will be speaking at, the Entrepreneurs Marketing Conference in Brighton in the United Kingdom on the 19th to 21st of September. Uh, you can go, uh, if you go to emc2023.com and use the code Alexis20, I think you get 20% off, which is great. Um, also, I'll include a link to George's TEDx speech on Stronger Connections, which is really fantastic and worth a, a watch. Uh, I also mentioned 
Airmanual's guide to improving cash flow, which you can get at airmanual.link forward slash cash flow forward slash ebook. And I'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. But otherwise, uh, thank you so much, George, for, for being with me. It's um, chatting with me. It's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's been really, really good talking to you. And as I said, you know, George and I'll be um, both presenting at the Entrepreneurs Marketing Conference. Um, and incidentally, if you're not able to make it in person uh, for various reasons, and marketing is one of your biggest stress areas, uh, you'll actually love something that we've been working on at Air Manual, which is we've been working with top marketing experts and our clients to put together a playbook, a, a set of templates and uh, training for your marketing team, uh, everything from employee onboarding checklists to checklists for repurposing content for social media, preparing for podcast interviews, uh, using AI tools to give you inspiration for League Magnets, all these sorts of things. Uh, and you can get each of those as it becomes available by subscribing to our newsletter at www.scalingwithoutstress.com. But otherwise, if you found today's episode value uh, valuable, then George and I would love to hear from you. Like share your favorite takeaway, your biggest aha moment on social media, uh, tag us in, we'd really appreciate it. Um, George, thank you again for uh, sharing your insights. It's been thank great you, having you on. You. And uh, everyone else, until next time, have fun.